the Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Yes. I've met them. Yeah. Takes us a while to get any traction, I'll give you that one. But let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod. A super soldier, a living legend, who kind of lives up to the legend. A man with breathtaking anger management issues. A couple of master assassins, and you, big fella. You're the Spider-Man from YouTube. Good old Spider-Man. Wow, this is awesome. Captain America, I know you too. You're great. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except... It sucks, so let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Ah, uh, look, I want to say, I know you know a lot of super people, so thanks for thanking of me. And I'll introduce the world, the newest official member of the Avengers, Spider-Man. I'm Peter, by the way. Doctor Strange. Oh, you're using your made-up names. Then I am Spider-Man. I think I should call him Adam. Before creation itself, there were six singularities. Then the universe exploded into existence, and the remnants of these systems were forged into concentrated ingots. Infinity stones. These stones, it seems, can only be brandished by beings of extraordinary strength. Wow. Fine. I'll do it myself. WW Radio. Your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 518. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney and Marvel magic wherever you are, not just with the podcast, but with my videos, blog, live broadcasts on Facebook every Wednesday night, events, books, audio tours, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com, and I invite you to be part of the conversation and more importantly, the community by going to www.radio.com community. This week, we're going to continue our countdown to Marvel's Avengers Infinity War as we continue with our look at Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, and Black Panther. We'll then share our top five films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and ask you yours as well. Take a spoiler-free look at what we and you can expect from Infinity War and how we think this film and the others might just impact our experiences inside the Disney parks. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have more information about our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World, WW Radio Night at the Movies, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Hey. 
This week, we're going to continue on our road to Infinity War as we continue to count down the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Last week on show 517, we talked about the films of Phase 1 and Phase 2 and the first of Phase 3, Captain America Civil War. This week, we pick up the conversation with 2016's Doctor Strange, take us through the rest of Phase 3. We'll discuss our best of the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what we can expect from Infinity War, and maybe, just maybe, what might be coming to the Disney parks. Enjoy. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. To challenge them is to court death. The entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the infinity stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. Next one on the the, the 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 chronology of films that is released. Again, Marvel goes into let's sort of pick, you know, from the relatively obscure, maybe not most popular yet, you know, building block wise important characters in terms of Dr. Stephen Strange, who you only may have picked up that name, you know, sort of as a little Easter egg. Uh, I think what I remember when this movie was first announced, the uh, I could hear the screams of women around the world when Benedict Cumberbatch was uh, announced to play the role of Dr. Stephen Strange. Again, a storyline that I was not super familiar with. I had known of the character, um, but I had not known very much about um, how it it came to be. So this was not just an, an another origin story, but it was one that was going to impact the rest of the cinematic universe. So, so Stuart, give me your thoughts in terms of when you first heard about Doctor Strange coming up and feelings about the film itself. I don't remember what I first... For what I first heard about Doctor Strange, I know I was tied in at that point to co-hosting the Welcome to Level Seven show, so I was I was involved. Um, I did see it opening day, opening weekend. Um, I accidentally maybe fell asleep when he's fighting <laughs> Dormammu. Um, it was a long day, hush. Uh, but on a on a rewatch, when we rewatched it for our uh, rewatch podcast, it was. I really got it. The the time forward, the time backwards, you know, you know him using the infinity stone to move things around. I thought that was awesome. Um, there's a lot of great moments in that, especially with him talking to the ancient one, you know, in that moment of the lightning bolt striking the thing where it's just frozen in time. Yeah. It does get a little inception. That's okay though. Um, I, so really, really appreciated this movie. Yeah, I, I missed out on this film in theaters. Um, I was deployed at the time, but uh, I knew the character uh, from the comic books, especially Secret Wars. Um, so I know he's got a lot of 
Um, he's got a lot of work to do in, in the future film, so I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but the <laughs> film itself, uh, I was kind of skeptical about. I, I didn't hear anything crazy about it from back home, so I wasn't really in a rush to see it. Um, but I did see it when I got home. It, it is a little inception but, I mean, that might be a good thing. It's a good movie. Um, but uh, I didn't really get it off, off the first take. I had to watch it several times to really understand mm-hmm. And I, I love this character. Um, in terms of casting, I think Benedict goes right along with Chris Evans and Robert Downey. I don't know if we can find a Doctor Strange that fits the character more than he does. I think it's you're a, absolutely I, right on that, Corey. I, I, I think he fits like a glove with that one. And and I'll, I'll just add that I, I'm by no means the number one fan of, of Dr. Strange, but I think we established that um, he is a significant character. He is a very powerful character in, in, in the Marvel universe that you, you need to understand and, and be exposed to. And uh, I, I think we got, we got a taste of that. I, I think there's a lot more that you can do with the character, but uh, I, I was happy with that. I don't know that I would say that it's a top 10 film for me though. I think visually it's spectacular. Right. I, 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 I'm not a guy that saw inception or matrix or whatever similar movies may have been uh from a visual perspective but i that, that's what i left the theater with was saying wow that was that was something else and that's was, i think i'm sorry go ahead no i was gonna say it was it was a good film i was not a doctor strange fan ever i mean i remember back in the days when he was in the defenders comic book and just didn't do it for me um i didn't have expectations going in uh but i came out Liking the movie, it's not one of my top ten. I like the movie, and I came out liking Doctor Strange a heck of a lot more. I, you know, if I, I'm allowed to do this, it's like <laughs> well, I never liked Aquaman, but in Justice League, I was like, we won't get into a debate over that. But I was like, they made Aquaman <laughs> cool, and I like Aquaman now. So I like Doctor Strange now. Before I was indifferent to him, maybe even didn't like him very much. So there you go. That's that's all I've got. And it is, of course, very Inception. Yes. I liked Aquaman better when he was Prince Namor, but that's anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Very well done, nearly. Very nice. <laughs> um, you know, the thing I will say about this film was, again, it needed to introduce introduce us to this character to set up his presence in not the universe, but the multiverse, um, which was probably is something that was not um, on people's, you know, the tip of people's tongue before that. Um, and again, the importance, you know, when we sort of learn about the, the eye of Agamotto, the, 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 the relic and the infinity stone and the importance that it's going to play as we continue to move forward. And again, I think the, 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 I think it was the mid credit scene with strange and Thor, which tied directly into what we saw in Ragnarok was, was really, really, um, well done, but you know, Going forward from here, you wondered with the introduction of Guardians 2, can lightning strike twice? Can you capture that magic, part Doctor Strange pun unintentional, can you (laughs) capture the magic of Guardians 1 with Guardians 2, which which takes place, chronologically speaking, just months after um, the, the first... Guardians of the Galaxy film too. Uh, I think this film, again, I won't, well, 
spoilers, who cares? You've probably seen it by now. Um, had <laughs> its share of emotional moments. It had its share of surprising moments. Um, I was not familiar with the story of Ego, so I did not know what was to come. Um, you know, I like the film. I think there was a lot more humor in this than Guardians 1. Maybe I did not like that as much because my Guardians of the Galaxy bar was set um, so very high. But in terms of a movie that that just screams fun and has quotable lines and, again, is is also a set... Look, the I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Like, I wanted to go out and find a T-shirt as soon as I walked out of the theater. Forget <laughs> downloading the... Um, the and, and for my kids... I think they might like the Guardians 2 soundtrack. And again, my kids are, are, you know, 14 and 12. They like the Guardians 2 soundtrack even more than than Guardians 1. So um, give me some thoughts, you know, around the horn on, on Guardians 2, not just as it compares to Guardians 1, but how it fits into the MCU as a whole. I really appreciated the... Uh the David Hasselhoff stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when he's, when he's convinced... Because everybody, you know... Of a certain age, if you were without a father or whatever, yeah, David Hasselhoff was kind of your guy. I watched Knight Raider a whole bunch. I know who he's talking about. Um, <laughs> he's so huge I, in Germany, by the way, just so you know. Still huge. What? He's still yeah, huge he's in so, Germany. <laughs> he's still huge in Germany. Um, but when he comes when he comes in for that one little shot, that's awesome. So it pays off on that. Um, I really did appreciate that. Uh, the credits to me for this one were so much fun yes if you're if you go to a marvel movie and you leave halfway through the credits i don't know how to talk to you um <laughs> this one made that cashed in on that where if you're actually watching them little red i am groots show up and then about halfway down they turn into the name that's awesome to me. so I, I hate to just talk about the credits, but I'm sure you guys will all mention everything else. So. <laughs> so I noticed that on the second viewing of the DVD or the Blu-ray that that's what was going on in the credits. I'm like, I'm Groot. Oh, wait, I get it. But uh, <laughs> uh, the, the other post-credit scene in this one, I think, is is kind of my part of my reasoning as to why I didn't necessarily like this film. It's not that it's a bad movie. I think it's a great movie, but I think the payoffs of this film haven't happened yet. And because of that, I don't rank it high on the importance list because I don't know what they all mean, uh, whether right. it's uh, Star-Lord being a Celestial or not. Um, Adam Warlock, how does he play into this? Because comic book guys, we know how this plays out at the end. Um, so it, I think for me, it's just that the payoffs have not happened. So I don't know, does this movie mean something or is this like a, a throwaway more or less? Yeah, well, I, I agree it. You're not sure about those payoffs, but I I love the film. I thought it was a wonderful film. I think the only I think it suffered just because it's being compared to the first one, and it's not going to live up to that. But it's a darn good movie, and I think it's very well done. And the fact that they, quite frankly, were able to make a movie this good after the first one is is you know kudos to them. Yeah, I I enjoyed this one. Um, it will be probably be right around my top five, but. Uh, uh, when it comes down to it for starting with guardians one, which I had no expectation for and having a reasonably set bar. Um, I saw a bunch of characters get better. I saw a bunch of characters that I cared more about at the end of it. And e even Yondu, um, y you know, I, I, that, that character, um, I would suggest that, you know, I, of course I go and I watch this with my son, 
because um, that's what we do. But, you know, that, that was a little bit of an emotional moment for me is, is you know, he, he maybe your dad or he maybe your father, but he wasn't your dad, whatever that line was. Um, th- there was something really significant. I thought that I thought the movie had a lot of heart. Uh, look, I will tell you that that I remember watching this for the first time in the theater and looking over at my family and they were crying like, you know, it definitely evoked like crying in a good way, you know, the with with the story of ego and and, and whatnot. Um, but I, I will tell you that um, this this was a, a fun movie. I enjoyed this movie and I didn't cry again. I'm going to get all choked up until I saw the next movie on the list. Because I literally, and I tweeted this out, and I, this was the movie that little Lou Mangiello waited 40 years to see. And I could do, you think we're going long talking about all the movies? I could talk about Spider-Man Homecoming all day, every day. Look at the walls behind me. I mean, don't look at my underoos, but, you know, as a huge <laughs> Spider-Man fan, and whatever sort of magic Feige and the team had to do to bring Spider-Man into this uh, into this world, whatever sort of deal they were able to work out with Sony paid off in huge, huge, huge dividends. My kids asked me the other day, like, if you ever met Tom Holland, like, what would you say to him? Because Tom Holland is Peter Parker. He mm-hmm. is the perfect Peter Parker, and he's the perfect Spider-Man. He is that nerdy, awkward kid who is both awestruck and mindful and respectful of the power. Look, Andrew Garfield would never have, Peter Parker would never have stood up to Flash Thompson. He wouldn't have been so arrogant. He would have been riding his skateboard around and trying to be all cool. And That wasn't Peter Parker. Tom Holland, I don't know who you are in real life, but man, on that screen, I bought into you being Peter Parker. And I loved and continue to love and rewatch that film because it's a it's not just a Spider-Man movie, it's a Peter Parker movie because it is not a big gigantic, you know, uh, uh Avengers type of, you know, action-packed film that we were getting with some of the ones that preceded it. This is a, you know, a, a very much a, an emotional character-driven story and and I don't, you know, again, could can operate on its own, but also, you know, has clearly it's an it's important ties to the films, films, plural that are going to follow it. To me, the thing that sets this movie apart from a lot of the previous movies we've talked about is the villain Vulture, uh, specifically the Michael Caine, yeah. not Michael Caine. Oh my gosh, Batman. Michael Keaton. Michael Michael Keaton. Keaton. And I'm so happy you called him Batman because he's the only true Batman. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) So he adds a gravitas to this film that um, we have not seen villains do in a a lot of the other movies. That scene with him in the car right before they go to... Right before they go to homecoming, chills up my spine. <laughs> right. It gives you chills. And if you, I'm sure it's, it's very obvious, but when the light changes from red to green on his face oh. and he has that moment, I'm like, oh my God. That's, <laughs> it was only eclipsed because I never saw it coming when the door opened and it's her dad. Right. Like, I just, I think I might have punched my son in the arm. I'm like, oh my God. I can't, I can't, I can't. You know? <laughs> 
Because <laughs> you didn't. You didn't see it coming. You never saw that coming. And you're right. And, and just and, and I want to give Ray a chance. But one of the reasons why I loved this version of the Vulture, which is very different than the old bald man comic book ber- version of the Vulture, <laughs> right. is you you sympathize with this character in a huge way. Yeah. He's just a good guy trying to make it for his family. He sort of gets, you know, uh, I don't and he's only a product of the environment that yeah, he was. Yeah, like he didn't set universe. out to be a villain. You know, he had this thing that he had worked for and mortgaged his whole life on to try and make a better life for his his family, taken away from him, and, and not. You know, there was no sort of remuner- remuneration um, to him or for him. So he was thrust into that role. So, and even at the very end, when he has that opportunity, he doesn't take it. You know, in that in that sort of the the post credit scene with with Scorpion, he doesn't take it because at at its core, he, he's not a bad guy. Yeah, I and everything you just said about Michael Keaton in that role, I think, is spot on, and I think he ranks as when you put all of that together. I think only Loki probably ranks higher to me as a villain in, in these movies. Now, Lou, I'm going to say something that you may just cut me off from the show altogether. <laughs> Listen, Dre, I'm just telling like, you, you're treading on, on hollowed ground here. So. <laughs> I like Tom Holland, okay? And I know this is a minority view, but I, I actually think Tobey Maguire is my guy as Spider-Man. I do those, especially those first two movies, that's Spider-Man for me. And Holland's good, and don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, but I'm sorry. I'm so before you finish that sentence, I want you to go back, and, and I know this is torture, I want you to go watch Spider-Man 3 when he comes out doing his little <laughs> disco dance Danny Terrio move down the street, and uh, what the what? And I know that's not his fault, it, it's the story that was written for him, but I was like, oi vey, like you just stopped being Peter Parker. But those Parker. first two movies... And particularly number two, quite so, frankly. Number two Doc is Oz, right. Wonderful films. Wonderful. Absolutely. And and I didn't feel that he wasn't I didn't feel that way about him until I saw Tom Holland. You know, it, it's it's like watching, you know, like a, a play, uh, you know, one of your favorite plays and seeing two different performers perform the, the a title role, and you thought the first guy was good until you saw the second guy. Now, for me, you know, Tom Holland just embodies, even like, you know, I'm like a fanboy. Like, I follow his Instagram. Like, <laughs> there's something about him that still, like, makes me want to believe he's Peter Parker in real life, just the way he is. Well, he's goofy and he's nerdy. And he brings and he's, so, and look, he's and young. Is it, yeah, and he's young and he brings his, his theatrical and dance and gymnastics background into. That's, so that's why I said he is not just the perfect Peter Parker, he's also the perfect Spider-Man. Right, and I think that's what does it. He's such a, com- a good combination of both Peter Parker and Spider-Man that he can sell you where um, McGuire and um, Garfield could not, or they, where they lack certain things. But uh, Vulture's definitely one of my yeah. top villains out there. The innocence of Peter Parker... Um, and and that naivete and that that just desire to to be and do good, which when he has the opportunity to take you know the iron spiders through the end, he passes it up. And I'm like, I I wanted to scream like I love you, Peter Parker. Like it was just <laughs> such the Peter Parker thing to do. And look, you talk about and again, I I could spend an hour going about all the things that I love 
in this film and even the secondary and tertiary characters like seeing, you know, Pepper Potts again and, and Happy Hogan. But um, the final scene with Aunt May, the, you know, the what the scene, I'm like, oh, like <laughs> one of the best because it is it's sort of like a cliffhanger scene, you know, that we don't really get on a lot of the other MCU films. Something that I really appreciate about this film is that we weren't treated slash tortured to a retelling of the origin. Mm-hmm. And that absolutely that, <laughs> uh, that 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 meant so much because really there there's a handful of heroes out there that uh, I don't know how you could not know their story. You, you know, uh, is not Iron Man maybe you didn't know that story, but uh, Superman you know where he came from. Batman you know his story. Peter Parker you know his story you, you, and and we didn't have to go through that we we picked up midstream and that was nice there was already a pace that was going along with it i liked how they uh, they had those different tie-ins to uh, you know to to the first avengers movie with you know setting the character of the vulture and and and, and stuart you were exactly right having a strong villain like that really helped it, you know that 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 vulture we can understand the choices that he made. And, and if we were pushed, we may have made those same choices. And I think that's, that, that, that's part of what made the, the movie real to me. Um, I, I, I very much enjoyed uh, that, that, that aspect of it. And, you know, he, these, the stories of, of, of Peter Parker are always, can he make the right decision? He's always being pushed to make the right decision. Going back to 1962 or whenever he first debuted, it was always, "Oh my goodness, he has to do this," but he's got to get Aunt May her medicine. And <laughs> you know, that, that, that I mean, that's that 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 was the story. You, you know, it was he's got to do this, but how does he do that? And and it was always just that struggle, and that's that's the maturation process. That's I don't know, maybe maybe there's other people besides me on this call uh, that still struggle with maturing. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> My is the vulture is the vulture the strongest villain in the MCU all around? And when I say strongest, I don't mean in terms of his powers, but in terms of the character, the actor, the the empathy that you feel for him. Um, I can probably relate to him the most. I would probably uh, give the nod to Loki as 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 the the, the stronger villain overall. Uh, we'll meet Thanos and we'll see how he comes across. But I would say. <laughs> Um, in all the Marvel properties, the villain that I have found most fascinating has been the Kingpin. And I don't know. I know we're oh, not yeah. going to go go there, but I, I found that character to be uh, really, really strong. And I would love to see him cross. I, you know, he. I don't think he necessarily might, but it, that he is the perfect character, to sort of crossover from the TV universe into the cinematic universe. And the thing you met, the thing about both of those characters, Kingpin and the Vulture, is they're both played by pedigree actors. I mean, these are not, I mean, don't get me wrong, they've all been played by very good actors, but Vincent D'Onofrio and Michael Keaton, not Kane, are both amazing actors and, and have the pedigree to bring those characters to life. Imagine the two of them on screen together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and right. bringing some of the other villains, you know, in that world, you know, that that operate in, the, in that same space together um, on screen. That'd be great. And going back to the maturity of Spider-Man is or kind of being the whole point of doing the right thing at the right time. I, Iron Man laid it out perfectly. If if you're not, you know, the right person with the suit then, or w- without the suit, then you, you don't deserve to have it. 
So I think that really hits home. And, and they still covered the origin story of Spider-Man. So if, if you didn't know, they covered it in about three seconds as they're walking towards the bus. Oh, you got bit by a spider? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I and love I'm Ned. So and, glad. And, yeah, Ned was a great supporting, you know, the man in the chair was a great supporting character. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let's get on to, to Thor Ragnarok, because I do want to have a couple of minutes just to sort of look forward to the movie that we are are uh, building up to. Um, we knew going back, you know, a number of years that, you know, probably 2014, that a third uh, Thor film was in the works that sets about, what is it, four or five years after Dark World, which would make it a couple of years after um, Ultron. You know, sort of trying to figure out where this fits time frame wise about the same time that Civil War and Homecoming are going on um thor ragnarok for me just very quickly because i want to hear your guys because i really want to spend a couple minutes on on black panther obviously as well um because i think it's it's a very significant film for a lot of different reasons i I thought thor ragnarok not just advanced the story that we are leading up to for uh age of ultron but the importance that i think thor is going to have in it this to me felt like Guardians 2 in terms of the level of humor that they tried to add to this sometimes I thought it it played very very well some like I think that you almost could have deleted that entire scene and I, I understand it needed to advance the story but when Thor and Hulk are sort of in Thor's bedroom for like a better word um you know I, that dragged a little bit for me although I understand why that that conversation needed to take place and then certainly the introduction of um you know jeff goldblum's character and where he's going to play in the in the grand scheme of things um again excellent casting in terms of who that that grand master should be uh real quick for me this was the most uneven movie i've ever seen in my entire life (laughs) there were moments where i was like wow this is great and there are other moments i thought i should look around and say did anybody else thought that was think that it was as bad as i just did so i don't it's I don't that's the only way I can describe this movie. And there, the parts that bothered me and maybe I'm wrong, but my perception was when you look at the Thor and Banner characters in this movie, they just seem to be very different from what they were before. And it wasn't to me a development. It was just kind of what they were doing in this particular movie. And I didn't like that. So that's where I kind of I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Anybody else thoughts on Ragnarok? I'll, I'll say I enjoyed the movie. I would say I, if if I was to be critical of it at all, I would say that there was probably a little too much humor with it. Um, for as powerful of characters as what those two Hulk and Thor are, um, they could have some fun, but some of the stuff I thought was w- w- was a bit much. I I I did enjoy. Um, I did enjoy the development of Thor, you know, with the destruction of his hammer and, and then how he went to the next level. Um, I, I, I thought that was that was good. Um, I was probably a little disappointed that Surtur was a bit of a throwaway character. You know, I, I would like to have kept that one in the back pocket for another story and another time. Yeah, I think some of the highlights for this film, uh, it, it did something that no other Marvel film, uh, looking at the list, yeah, no other Marvel film was done yet, and that's a team-up. It took two individual storylines and they merge them into one and they say, okay, you two go this way. And that's how they told the story. Uh, the humor in there is kind of attributed to the director, Taika Waititi. 
Um, so if you've seen his other films, the, the humor is very much in line with what he does. Um, and uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, he's just, um, he's like a Spielberg. You can tell it's a Spielberg film. You can, you can tell it's, it's, you know, these kind of directors films. You can tell this is a Taika Waititi film also because he's Korg, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought this movie was great. Uh, it's one of my higher ranked. I like some of the humor, a lot of the humor. I think Tessa Thompson, who's uh, Valkyrie, uh, she really stole a lot of this stuff for me. Um, kind of like the female Jack Sparrow kind of character, which I thought was great, um, but she's probably going to carry forward. And what I, what I came out of this movie wanting is a female driven black widow, Tessa Thompson film. Yes. I, I appreciated the, uh, the few callbacks that I've only seen the movie once. So it was from the theater. Um, I really liked the, the scene where uh, Thor or, uh, Hulk is smashing somebody back and forth and Loki stands up and says, yes, it hurts. Doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I thought that was great. I cheered for that. Um, and then when, when Hulk or when Thor is trying to calm Hulk down and he's like, Oh, hey, you know, sun's setting low guy. Sun's getting Those awfully two, low. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I might have gotten verklempt. I'm not going to say, uh, but it might have happened. So, but those are the types of things that I really appreciated in this movie the callbacks to those things because we as fans know that there should be there you know when 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 banner is smashing somebody back and forth we know that that's what happened to loki and he's in the same scene he's got to reference it and it did so i'm glad and one more thing that they did is kind of just quick quick throwaway to it is as hell is walking down the corridor she does a course correction from something that they messed up on quote unquote with the bunny ears they quote unquote messed up on earlier is that they had an infinity gauntlet in one of the old Thor movies and she was walking down the hallway and throws, Oh, that's fake. So, you know, they, they paid attention to, Oh, we might've misstepped over here. So right. let's fix it here. So I thought that was mm-hmm. good. They're, they're paying attention. And you, going back to, to touching on the actors, I think Kate Blanchett as, as Hella was phenomenal. Um, and I, I really, um, I didn't know of the character very much, but I liked her and I liked her portrayal of it. Uh, it was a little, it was a little much. It was a little almost like a buddy comedy for me, um, which probably is maybe why it doesn't rank as high as some of the other ones, other ones in here. But you want to talk about a film that was a game changing film across the board in in many different respects. Twenty eighteen's Black Panther was not just a significant film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We talked before we started recording about just um, um, having such a, a strong character and the appeal that it had for so many people that maybe weren't Marvel fans beforehand was palpable. We saw it in terms of the people that were coming to the theaters and, and how they were dressed and how they embraced this character. I mean, we could do a show specifically about Black Panther itself, and it's not just significance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I, I loved, again, Chadwick Boseman in terms of, of the casting was just phenomenal. Um, from beginning to end, I was entertained. I, I, I caught, you know, so much of the importance of the messaging that was in here from a cinematic perspective and beyond the, the confines of the four uh, you know, the four corners of this film. I loved it from a technology perspective, from a comic book perspective. Uh, I think that the the first post-credit scene 
was like I wanted to stand up and cheer. Um, and it was a movie that as soon as I came out, everyone of I saw it with my family. We all walked out and said, I love this film. When can we go see it again? So I'd love for you guys to quickly sort of go around and talk about your feelings of of Black Panther, how it relates from a comic book perspective in terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and just even, again, another film that very much can stand on its own. Yeah, I I think it stands on its own. I think it's a great, it really is a great film. Uh, Ryan, I I think Kugler, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, the director. He's just, it's, it's a wonderful film. I mean, I love the... There's a tip of the hat to James Bond in this. There's, you know, it's very much a Shakespearean theme, right? Struggling for the throne. Um, you know, you've got tragedy in there. Of course, you've got the great superhero stuff. But um, there's the struggle between the, right, the violent revolutionary versus the visionary leader. I mean, this is just a great film in and of itself. Uh, does it relate to the Marvel Universe? Absolutely. Love the Black Panther character. But this is just top-notch filmmaking, bottom line. Yep. And I think the villain in, in this one with uh, Killmonger goes right up along with, with some of the other greats in that he's not he's not the black-and-white villain. He is a right. product of the situation that he was put in as a child, and that's what fueled him into the scenario that he goes through in this film. And I, I think that's great. Um, and this movie is you know, crushing the box office. It's currently number three just passing Titanic in the last day or two. So it's doing amazing out there. It's, it'll still have legs going into Infinity War. I mean, that's speak, you know, again, we're talking about, you know, superhero movies. The fact that it's the number three highest grossing film of all time speaks incredible volumes. It does, You know, I looked at the numbers and it's interesting when you look at the Marvel numbers, they go kind of with the movie industry where I think it was, let's see, 2008 to 2010, the domestic box office, U.S. and Canada, was bigger than the rest of the world. Of course, it's turned around. If you look at the rest of the movies down the line, and movies in general, you know, the 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 outside the U.S. and Canada numbers beat out the U.S. numbers. That's, that's just the case. Until this movie. If you look at the numbers on this film, the domestic box office is bigger than the rest of the world. That's amazing. In this environment, That's that says a lot about this film and the impact that it's had. I enjoyed the film. Um, Black Panther appearing in Civil War was a presence and a character that if you didn't know much about him, you wanted to know more. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know that it's been since the beginning of the first Lord of the Rings movie that that intro to Black Panther where it gives the history and, and gives you that little background. I thought that was fabulous. Uh, but, you know, it brought you up to speed, uh, got you right into what was going on. And... Uh, just visually spectacular uh you know it's 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 worth watching without the sound just for you know just the visual nature of it and i think that the uh, the introduction of the dora milaje what a fantastic Mm -hmm. group of characters out there i i mean just uh they have a presence about them that's that, that that that's wonderful as well so uh i um definitely uh it's worth seeing if you haven't seen it yet I really want to see it again because my experience at the theater was okay, but not spectacular. It could have been me. I don't know. Um, But I, I feel like I missed a lot. I I feel like it was a good movie, but I wasn't picking up what they were putting down, I guess is a way to put it. Um, And so I, I want to see it again to sort of come to a fuller conclusion and sad that I won't be able to before infinite war. (laughs) 
because it doesn't come out on DVD until May. You know, I think to call the film um, uh, revolutionary in a, in a positive way is not overstating it because I think of what it represents on so many levels to, to so many people, um, especially too in, in, you know, the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, I, I thought Andy Serkis again was, was great in this film as well. Um, uh, I, 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 you mentioned the Dorma Milaje again, you know, look from a, a, a non superhero film again, you know, strong African-American characters, strong female characters. Like there was a lot of young yeah. girls that really felt, you know, inspired by this film. And, I'm, and I've seen photos of girls going to Disney California Adventure dressed like the Dorma Milaje because there's a Black Panther meet and greet there. Like we haven't seen that before. And that's why I think this film on so many levels, not just resonated with people, but inspired people and was so popular outside the confines of those of us who are comic book movie fans. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's, that's quite a salute, right. To the, to the filmmakers here. I mean, it's just uh, tip your hat and an incredible achievement. That's what you want to do as a creator, right? That's the dream (laughs) that if you can inspire people, uh, that's just fantastic. And they did it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a film that people are, are continuing to talk about, for all the right reasons, um, you know, beyond just its impact on, you know, Infinity War. So, all right. So I, I do want to I want to talk a little bit about Infinity War, but just very quickly, because we've sort of danced around this a little bit. I want you guys to go around the horn and I want to hear your top five in order Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Stuart, Jesse, Ray and then Corey. OK, uh... <laughs> Because I'm curious to see how similar and disparate these these lists might actually be. Okay. I'm going to try to get them in order, but don't hold me to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely, I'm going to start off with uh, uh, Winter Soldier. Cap 2 is, is my all-time favorite movie. Um, if, if I've said it, I will say it. I It's going to be on my tombstone. Um, <laughs> and I'm not tough talking about people there, Lou. Here lies Stuart. Uh, he loved Winter Soldier. <laughs> um, Did probably, he make that movie? No, he just loved it. <laughs> it was just really awesome. Um, I'm probably going to go with um, uh, uh, Guardians 1 after that because I think it reinvented itself. Like we've said, um, it, it, it allowed – it was the first time that we got to say Marvel. Okay, I know what you're doing. I'm, I'm falling in line. Um, Ant-Man – and Doctor Strange are in there. It's hard to tell whether they fall one or two. Um, and then, and then, uh, First Avenger is in there as well. Um, it may not be five; it could be three. I, I, I can't really place that right now. But those, those would probably be my top five. So your number one is number one is Winter Soldier. Okay. Number two is Guardians. Let's say number three is uh, First Avenger, number four is Ant-Man, and number five is Doctor Strange. Very interesting. Very interesting. Fascinating list. Jesse? (laughs) All right. So if I had the opportunity to go watch a movie as soon as we're done here, the one I'm putting in is Guardians 1. That's 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 my number one. That's that's the one that I find to be the most enjoyable. 
uh, number two. And it's, it, I mean, we're, we're picking kids here or, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which is so deep down, you know, you have a favorite, but you gotta, you have to rank them at some point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys in on a little secret. What I have is a secret. Well, no, never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll save that for <laughs> off, off the air in case somebody listens to this. Uh, remind me, but, uh, my number two would be. He just said, in soldier. case somebody listens to this. <laughs> no, in case one of my kids listens oh, to this. Like... That's, that's what I meant. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. No disrespect intended, my friend. Uh, I'm like, at least one person's going to listen, I hope. Uh, so, Guardians, Winter Soldier, First Avenger, uh, Civil War, Avengers 1. Those are my top five. All right, just quickly go again. Guardians is five. Guardians, Guardians is one. Oh, Guardians is one. Okay. Winter Soldier, First Avenger, Civil War, Avengers 1. Ray? All right, the Ray countdown. Uh, Number five is Black Panther. Uh, Number four is the Avengers. Number three is Captain America, the First Avenger. Number two is Guardians of the Galaxy. And number one is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Not necessarily on your tombstone, but I I get it. It's a little bit of Captain America in there, isn't it? <laughs> Corey? Say it's impressive. Uh, every movie you guys ranked was wrong. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> my number one is... Uh, it's a Civil great War. plan, except that it sucks. Why don't we go with my plan? It's <laughs> better. So number one, I have Civil War. Uh, two is the first Avengers film. Uh, number three is Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, four, I have Ragnarok. And then uh, five is a tie between Captain uh, Captain America one and Guardians one. Wow, interesting. And Lou, what are you going to put on your tombstone, Corey? Uh, pepperoni, <laughs> green peppers. <laughs> well done. Uh, so for me, let's see. Number one is Iron Man two. Number two is Thor: The Dark World. Number no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> You know, I wrote my list and then I changed my list, you know, because there's there's part of me that I, I try to think about my list in terms of how much that I love these films when I saw them, the rewatchability factor. Jesse, to your point, like if I was to turn on the TV right now, which would I want to pull up first? Which have I watched the most? Which and there's a clear winner for me, which that I've that I've seen the most number of times. So my list which is somewhat this is somewhat flexible um and i'm gonna i'll do a countdown is Uh, tim here is he joining us no go with me here (laughs) uh guardians of the galaxy um i want to change this so i i uh, I tell you i want to take this i tell you want to take this one out of my oh man um, are you gonna add like seventeen? To see, them? It's, it's tough though because the recent films are almost too recent to compare it to something that's been around uh, been around so long. Believe it or not, I have Iron Man at number four, and I don't know if I am putting it on for its significance. How I felt the first time I watched it, I love. I do. I love the sort of it. There's. Iron Man 1 for me had a Star Wars Episode 4 feel to it. it. There was something that was just raw and gritty and and um, they were just sort of taking chances on that film because they're like, let's just see if this works and it sticks. And we were introduced to this character and, and I, I don't know why that... 
I, I am struggling desperately with the fact that I have Spider-Man Homecoming number three, but I have Captain America Winter Soldier at number two, and I have Avengers as a strong number one. Um, I have seen Avengers no less than 50 times, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, like, every time it's on TV, it's like watching Rudy. Like, well, I'm done. Looks like I have to sit down and watch it. You know? <laughs> like, although I have it on, you know, Blu-ray and iTunes and all that, it's just such a, a fun, entertaining movie from beginning to end. I love the visuals. I love the characters. I love the story. Um, so that's a, a somewhat flexible list but those top three are, are probably pretty solid um and and spider-man homecoming is there again because i love that character and because of of how much uh i waited to see that movie done right um i know we're going long but i do want to just obviously because we were, we're counting down to infinity war um i, I do want to just briefly talk about it and we don't really need to sort of go into um you know, every sort of little detail about the stones and, and where they came from. We sort of know the story about Thanos wanting to unite these stones in this infinity gauntlet to, to quote, you know, rebalance the universe. Um, it's not a spoiler. He talks about wiping out half of all life in existence. Uh, I think it's interesting. And you guys, fellow comic book nerds, uh, Infinity War is sort of, it's really a love story. Right. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we talk about motivations and characters and for any words to a certain degree, a little bit of a um, of a love story. Um, you know, you talk about having full faith and confidence in a film before it comes out, not just because of what Feige and, and this this history of the Marvel films, but again, because it's um, because it's in the hands of the Russo brothers, because we have an idea of what to expect, um, has me probably, other than Homecoming, more excited for this film than I have been for any of the other ones on the list. Um, yeah. Because of what they have, um, you know, built up to. Um, I think, and again, I... I'm trying to be as non-spoiled. Again, we haven't seen the film, but, you know, we, one of the things I love, I I keep coming back to and circling back to the importance of casting and Marvel has been deliberately quiet, um, sometimes not even mentioning casting until we see it on the bottom of a poster. Some very um, um, smart eyes picked up on names like Peter Dinklage, Um which should be very, very interesting and, and where he uh, is going to play into this. One thing we do know is that unlike any of the films that preceded this, we talk about sort of Ant-Man and Homecoming and Black Panther being smaller film, you know, this film is going to be the biggest in terms of characters. I don't mean just, you know, the, the scene of, of characters fighting a battle in Wakanda. We are talking about the number of superheroes to expect on screen is going to go beyond those that we mentioned on this list. Um, this is, you know, the war to just literally end all wars. Um, give me, and I'm trying to sort of do this without being too, because I know that you guys know a lot. Um, let's talk quickly about maybe some of the characters and what we're, we're looking to expect 
from Infinity War, whether it's, you know, Cap or Bucky or the Black Order, Thanos himself, each of you could sort of go around and sort of when you think about characters in terms of Infinity War, what does that mean to you? We'll sort of do reverse order, Corey, Ray, Jesse, and then Stuart. Uh, Character-wise, so I think uh, it goes back to something Kevin Feige said. Um, I'm not sure when, if it was the expo or just when, but he said there's there's going to be everything that came before this film and everything that comes after this film. So I think that means drastic changes to those that we know and love from 10 years ago through now. Um, so I think that means uh, someone else is going to pick up the shield. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone else picks up the Iron Man title or Iron Woman or... <laughs> just saying somebody, Iron black person. Panthers, somebody <laughs> in black panther is very tech savvy um uh i do think uh winter soldier it picks up the shield uh only because plot wise and movie wise he's kind of he's kind of come full, full circle already right he's, he's already had his challenge he's had his resolution he needs to change now or disappear um but i think uh character wise um, it'll be interesting to see how they, because I, I think you might only see all the characters in one room once. I, I don't think you'll see them through the whole film. I mean, you know, imagine walking through the parks with 35 of your favorite friends trying to get on an attraction. <laughs> it's just not going to work. So you're going to have to split them up. So it'd be interesting to see what pairings, you know, do they go with what the what's on the posters of, you know, this character and this character go that way or, or just how they're going to divide that up. Yeah, my, my uh, I have a bunch of questions. Uh, expectations are off the charts, as you can tell here. But um, you know, it's Thanos versus everybody, right? So how does how does a movie handle that? It's going to be very interesting to see. You know, if you just think of it in Hollywood terms, you know, how much FaceTime is everybody going to get here? You know, so that has me wondering. Thanos, the character himself, I mean, tremendous buildup, right? We've been waiting, we're waiting. Is Thanos going to deliver? You know, we talked about Loki. And the vulture is Thanos going to land in the top two or three or number one? I don't know. That it, you know, one would think going into this movie, a lot of people saying, uh, you know, that that he better. Um, and then you know, I disagree with on the Cap and and Bucky thing because I think well, number one, I don't want it to, happen, but <laughs> Evans, I believe, is in the follow, signed up for the following movie. So here's what I want. All right, <laughs> I would I want to see you know Captain America in my world better get the shield back, you know, and the shield with the star. So my question is, does, does that happen maybe at the end of this movie? And then in the next Avengers movie, is that where we see the end of Chris Evans as Captain America? So there's my, there are my thoughts. So without spoiling anything, <laughs> I, think, I don't know anything. This is I think, just Ray talking. <laughs> I think you're thinking too linear and we already know in the comic <laughs> well, book that after he loses the shield, he then picks it up later on. Right. Right. So, but, Right. Just well, again, that's a good, it, right. That's a good point. Good. Do they stick with the comics where somebody else becomes Captain America and then he, but you know, the fact that Evan supposedly, and again, you know, you could add a few zeros to its check and you never know who might show up for another movie. <laughs> just, just back up the Brinks truck to <laughs> <in> my house. <laughs> right. You know, those independent films he does are wonderful, but you know, anyway, we'll leave that alone. Uh, <laughs> so that's a good question. Does he, you know, does he pick it up in the, in the following movie? But if it's his last movie, eh, I don't know. So he's going to go back and do not another teen movie too. That's uh, really where he shines. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, very quickly talking about casting and Thanos, um, you know, having Brandon Walsh from the Goonies, uh, you want to talk about a guy who's come a long way, baby. Uh, Josh Brolin went from being in the Goonies to not only is he the baddest of the bad villains, 
but he's also cable. Like he's having a good summer, Thank no matter right what. Here. Like I want to be Josh Brolin this summer. So I'll I'll chime in. I'll agree. I think Ray, you you said it. Um, we we need a big Thanos. We 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 need a big story around a very bad guy to bring all these people together. Um, that's that that that's the expectation that that I have. Um, I, I think Corey, you you made the the, the comment with seventy five heroes or however many there are <laughs> um, on the other side. Um, they may appear in some battles, but the, the there's going to be a core group of characters, and it, it's probably going to be four or five, whatever. Um, that'll be interesting. I have tried as as I as best I can to stay away from rumors and spoilers and i've, I've seen perhaps a, a, a one 30 second spot on this um i really want to be blown away and i i wanted to be blown away this much lou i i actually scheduled my next trip to disney world for the opening and then they moved it on me so <laughs> so i was like i'm gonna be at disney springs for this i'm sure like it's gonna be there's gonna be iron men walking all over the place and 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 now it's gonna be a week before i show up, or two weeks whatever it is before i show up down there so uh you win some and you, and you and you don't but um i i would say um there will be a story there will be whatever comes out of it um i Knowing comics as we all do, I don't know that anything will ever be definite, right? So it may appear that characters go away, and um, if they do, if, if they do for good, I hope it means something. Uh, but but if not, um, it's an infinity gauntlet. There can be some way that they can bring them back. I mean, I think that can do anything, right? So, uh, but uh, I, I'd really be looking for for what Thanos does uh, to, to to really drive the need for these group this group to get together. It almost makes you ask the question of what what does he need to do, like to establish himself better than better than Loki, better than Vulture, better than Killmonger. What does he need to do to cross that threshold? Because it would be a lot, <laughs> yeah, or at I, least as long as he gets in that group. I mean, that's even if he just gets in that group, they've achieved something. Yep. So, so for me, the so when I go to the movie at Disney Springs because. I rolled the dice and they moved it up a week. So I'll be there. Um, uh, when I go to the movie, I'm looking for TV people for years, years. We've had hashtag it's all connected. And yep. so we've been promised that agents of shield and all of the Netflix things and cloak and dagger that's coming to Freeform and all of this stuff is all connected and in the same universe. And for years we've had stuff going up, from from TV to the movies, from TV to the movies, not a lot of stuff coming down. So I'd really love to see. I don't need them in every scene. I don't need them in all the scenes. I need them in one scene. <laughs> I want to see my TV people on the big screen. Yeah, give us the defenders in New York. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Or to have Coulson come back and and and, and reunite with the Avengers or whatever. But or, I'm a little worried that there's so many people in this in this movie, and then to have you know something like Peter Dinklage, someone like Peter <laughs> Dinklage show up on a little 
little bitty credit thing that nobody <laughs> notices. They're just adding now. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this whole Fox merger has some as an ex person in it. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that shows up. But what I really want, what I'm going to be looking for on the 27th or probably the 28th at this point, because I'm seeing an 1130 show, <laughs> is I'm going to see, I want my TV people on the big screen. <clears throat> So in regards to the Fox stuff, I mean, I think the deal started a little too late for Infinity War, but I think you'll see something in number four if it's going to pan out. So I wouldn't be surprised if four is, you know, Fantastic Four for Phase Four kind of thing. But um, oh, that'd be interesting. How how great would that be for uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesse is holding up a for, Fantastic Four comic in front of the ca- in front of the camera? So for Tony Stark to have sold uh, his tower off to a certain scientific group that needs to place to play mm-hmm. yeah you don't know look you know same thing look you know the spider-man deal took place while civil war was already in production so you never know how far along but i think you know from a character perspective um that we 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 know we're going to see the avengers and some of these other characters it'll be interesting to, interesting to see how and where characters like the collector, the grandmaster, Adam Warlock, um, that we've either heard or seen in other films play into this, um, and many other heroes that maybe we haven't seen before, because um, I think that's what this film is, is really um, all going to be about. And look, you you never know what can happen in the Marvel Universe. You don't know what characters might come back. Um, maybe Agent Sitwell returns from, from the great beyond somewhere, um, you know, and how they do tie into, you know, this idea about things being all connected. We've heard that they will overlap. They will not overlap. They will. You don't know. And I think that's why um, part of the fun of all the speculation is they haven't revealed a lot to us and what is going to go on. Um you know, we if you are um, if you are not familiar with the stories, you you we're going to learn about who the Black Order slash Cull Obsidian, the group, not the individual, um, is going to be. Sort of um, Thanos's lieutenants, and you know, all of a sudden, names like Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight and Ebony Maw and the Black Dwarf are going to be. Um, inserted into our vernacular and, and, you know, characters that we didn't know of before um, and how they interact and and how characters like, you know, Gamora and Nebula play into all this. Um, There's a lot of, you know, even just from the, the trailers of Infinity War, there's this overarching story, but there's also a lot of, you know, smaller things that are happening elsewhere, you know, Thor meeting up with Guardians of the Galaxy and, and you know, the Forge and Spider Peter Parker and, uh, with the Iron Spider. I'm just, my brains are falling out of my head. I cannot, you know, again, the excitement that I have for this and, and seeing how all these stones come together. Do you want to, again, we all sort of know we're, we're you know, the story of gathering the, the space and the mind, the reality power and the time stone, any sort of speculation guessing as to where the soul stone is and, or who might have it. I'll go first. I'll go I, have long, okay. <laughs> I have I nothing. Have, <laughs> I have long said it's in Colson for no other reason than I want it to be. I have no <laughs> proof of that. I have no knowledge of that. There's not been a spoiler. I just want it to be. And my only sort of defense is, 
Coulson Soul Stone? <laughs> it kind of goes together, doesn't it? It's in Tahiti. <laughs> it's in Tahiti is where it is. Right? It's a magical place. <laughs> Jesse? I don't know that I have a good guess on that. Um, I want to be surprised. Okay. Ray? I've got nothing. Nothing. <laughs> All right, Corey, you really... seem... Now, Corey, again, this is coming from a place of guessing or... Because if you know, then don't, you know, don't say. So so I have no idea for, like, official... I have no idea. Um, I don't think they would tell anybody that, especially, uh, you know, this close to the movie. I don't think anybody's going to know. If for the same reason they moved up the uh, release date so that it's released worldwide on the same day. So, mm-hmm. you know, the UK isn't spoiling it for the US kind of thing. But uh, so the, the running theories are orange right it's the orange stone so Hemdall's eyes would be one uh, his eyes are bright orange and we know that the infinity stones tend, uh, tend to mess with people's eye colors from um, Thor Dark World messing with uh, Natalie Portman's character to Guardians messing with um, Star-Lord's eyes turning them purple and uh, uh, Ronan um, uh, so that could be one uh, the other one is that it's somehow in Wakanda uh, whether it was the asteroid or it's just in there somehow. Uh, but personally, I, I think the the unexpected step is Captain Marvel because it's it's not something anybody's expecting right now because the movie hasn't come out yet for Captain Marvel because that's afterwards. It is March 8th of next year. Um, so it's a little bit before number four, but I think she could have it because of some of the implications from the comic books. Um Maybe Adam Warlock is is got it somehow, but I would almost hope that in story wise, all the other stones have had a full length feature. Um, if we were to rush the Orange Stone based off of a post credit scene in Guardians Two, I would almost feel like I wanted a full fledged story as to what the Orange Stone's about, uh, rather than it's a post credit scene. If you happen to leave halfway through the credits, you're not going to have any idea what this is about. So uh, I'm not sure, but if I had to put anything on it, I would say it's, it's going to be captain Marvel later down the line. Cause I don't think Thanos gets all the stones in this film. And if he does, it's at the end. Yeah. And if you watch all of the infinity war trailers um, and, and look, and you pay very close attention to the infinity gauntlet, you'll see that, you know, the number of stones in, in that gauntlet may change from one to the other. I um, I think for no other reasons than I'm just guessing because I did not read the comics. Um, I also believe it's it's in Wakanda. Um, I just have a feeling it's in Wakanda. And I think that explains a lot of why certain things in Wakanda are the way they are. Um, we will have to wait and see. I think the... Um, Speaking of the trailers, I think, you know, the trailers do a phenomenal job of fueling speculation. You know, when Cap is sort of uh, pushing back on the Infinity Gauntlet, when Thanos is is sort of uh, on top of him, you're wondering, how is that even possible? You know, what what are, what is going on to allow Cap to do that? Um, you know, he also moved Mjolnir at one point, so right. who knows what... Uh, <laughs> Who knows what was in that super soldier serum that they gave them way back when. Um, but I think, too, um, so any other, just quickly, because I want to move on to just one last thing, and I want to bring it back to um, 
to how this might impact the, the Disney parks going forward. Any final thoughts on either the MCU or Infinity Wantlet, Infinity War specifically? I can't wait to see it. <laughs> the, the 27th is going to be a very long, awesome day for me. Very long yeah. and awesome. And I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, as of this recording, we're what we're officially less than three weeks, right? So it's going to be uh, it's going to be an exciting time leading leading up to that. Um, I don't know what they can do with the potential uh, Fox acquisition, but if there's any way that there could be anything post credits, I think that that might be very very interesting. Just to really get to, to, to get the Twitter all a flutter. How about that? Uh, I, I, <laughs> yes. I, I think there's there, there, there can be some really cool things that that come out of that and uh, you know as as i've shown uh to the folks here on the screens um i very much look forward to some way to to be able to grab a hold of the fantastic four moving into this i i, I want to hear something in the background see something in the screen um just that that would that would just make the movie all the more special for me you know, they're coming back in the comic stands. I don't know if they're quite ready for that, but the fact that Marvel now is saying, oh, yeah, well, remember those that first family of of, of our company? Well, we're actually going to bring them back. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this. I have had the best Fantastic Four movie ever, and it's called The Incredibles, and we'll yeah. get that this summer. <laughs> Absolutely. You are correct, sir. <laughs> My favorite Pixar film. But yeah, I, the only other thing that I would add and throw into mix is: does it is there any significance to the fact that Steve Rogers turns 100 this year? He was born in 1918, so hmm. who knows? <laughs> I hope I look at that good at 100. <laughs> Corey, any thoughts? Uh, I'm just excited to see the film. I I hope it answers a lot of questions, but leaves a lot to be answered for number four and beyond. Uh, particularly with the Fox deal, if that goes through. How do the Fantastic Four, how does Doom play into that? Uh, do we get Silver Surfer back? Because um, going forward in the comic books, if they're still using source material to reference how they how they drive the narrative, um, they, they need some of those other characters we haven't seen yet to keep going. Um, they could certainly do it without, but you know, it'd be nice to see them to be able to pull in the Fantastic Four in a fantastic right way. Yeah, it's... Um... You know, looking forward, looking ahead to what this means, not just for the MCU, um, but even beyond. Uh, let me ask you this, a, a quick prediction. We were talking about um, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. And actually, I, I, I meant to mention this before. So many of us had Captain America uh, very high on our list. Do you know that Captain America is the second lowest grossing film of all of them, the MCU? Yeah. Only sure, The Incredible Hulk is, is lower than that. First Avenger or Winter Soldier? First Avenger. First Avenger. First Avenger. Wow. Yeah. Yep. First Avenger. So Incredible Hulk pulled in worldwide about $263 million. First Avenger was about 370 And then there's a huge nexus. Thor is next at $449 um, <laughs> after that. So... Winter Soldier, Soldier and Civil War did very well, though, obviously. They had big numbers. So Yeah. Did. And I think the one thing we can all bank on is that uh, with the last three films all grossing or uh, becoming in over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, I, I'm, I think we can all bank we're going to get a solid film out of this. Whether or not we like uh, some of the things that happen or if some of the expectations we have going in uh, are fulfilled or, or turned around, uh, I think we can all expect that we're going to have a good movie here. 
I'm predicting two billion dollars. How about Stop that? Stop it. Worldwide box office. Really? So, out there. so what do we think in opening weekend? Because Star Wars has it. Uh, Force Awakens has it at what? Two hundred fifty-two on an opening weekend domestic. You, I mean, I think, I think it's safe to say it's it's going to be high. I would guess two thirty, but I think the. It's yeah, it's ten years of build up, but I don't think it's got enough to beat Force Awakens. Will I was gonna say, will this outpace, you know, Black Panther? Will it out I mean in terms of the, the revenue that it generates? It'll be number one among the Marvel films, I have no doubt about that. I, I think <laughs> I think long term it really depends on how well the other films do this summer because you also have other films in a non MCU universe, but you have Deadpool. And you have uh, Han Solo. I think longevity-wise, if this movie can power through the summer and outlive those films, I think you'll start to see those numbers climb up. Because I will see this movie over and over again if it's good, but I have to go see those other ones too. Right. Well, and I think you know the interesting thing too about this is how this film and how everything else that is happening will impact not just the box office. But, you know, bringing it back to the Disney parks, we are starting to see this, you know, obviously Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout is is a huge hit over at Disney California Adventure. We know that they are going to get an, what they quote an immersive experience over at um, DCA. You You wonder how much more that universe is going to expand there. We've seen it. Um, things like the Iron Man experience over in um, Hong Kong Disneyland. And, you know, I, I still believe maybe in my little fanboy heart of hearts that the current situation, which precludes Disney from having any sort of Marvel presence um, east of the Mississippi because of the the deal with Universal, I believe that's going to change. I believe it's going to change for a lot of reasons. If I'm Universal, I don't like the fact that I can only have characters in there that are from the original comics. So they are not necessarily ones that when guests go there, they associate with these wildly popular films. Spider-Man doesn't necessarily look like the Spider-Man. The, you know, X-Men don't look like the X-Men. You know, do they want, does Universal want to continue to open up their books to Disney rather than utilizing that space for something else. Um, I still believe that within the next five years, we will have a Marvel presence beyond Guardians of the Galaxy and Epcot in Walt Disney World. Um, And I think certainly with what we are all projecting as a a huge success for Infinity War, I think that'll even uh, bring that closer to um, fruition. And, And I'm very, very curious to see what the California experience is going to look like because as much as we have been waiting from the time we were little kids to step into the Star Wars movies, we as comic book fans and now this new generations of Marvel Cinematic Universe fans, we want that next level, right? We want what Walt gave animation fans in the 50s. They want a place to step into those movies that's exactly what we want with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think it just makes sense for everybody involved to to bring that. Um, and man, if there was a Spider-Man attraction in Walt Disney World, I they would have, I might just move in. <laughs> forget, forget moving right behind the, the Magic Kingdom. But um, 
That is what I would I would love to see. So what are your thoughts, you know, or, or predictions in terms of of Marvel um, coming off the screen and, and into the Disney parks? I I first thing that pops to my mind is a question. Do we know? And that meaning, do you know, Lou, <laughs> what, what is the deal? It, it, what's the deal with Universal? Is the is this a, in imper you know, does it go on and on that they have to stop doing something to lose it? Like, you know, uh, with the movies, with, you know, is there a time limit on this? Do we know that? Or I don't believe it's in perpetuity. And again, I don't know the, the details of the agreement. Um, what I my understanding is that Universal only has the right to certain characters for attractions as they appeared in their comic book form. So that's why you have the Doctor Doom Freefall, um, the amazing Spider-Man. You'll never see Spider-Man in his homecoming or certainly his Iron Spider costume walking around the streets of Marvelville or Marvel Land, whatever it is that they call it there. Um, you know, they did. I think they did just redo the Hulk roller coaster. That might be due in part to some sort of contractual obligation, mm-hmm. but I'm really not sure. Okay, I I don't know for exact certain, but I think Universal still owns the rights to the Hulk. Um, and so I'd be curious to see what Disney's going to do as far as getting all of the characters, the entire Marvel catalog, under the Disney roof, you know. Um, I don't need them all, Stuart. I just need Spider-Man. Just bring me Spider-Man. That's all I care about. <laughs> if, I, if I could deliver Spider-Man to you, I would. But I, I feel like he's closer than anybody else at this point, you know, except for maybe the Fox deal, but that's still... So picture this. Picture, let your, your let your little nerdy underoo wearing comic book on the wall loving fanboy self imagine. Let's okay. Well, for for purposes of of the conversation, imagine a land in California. Certainly, I'd love to have it here, where you know you could bring in a, a, not just that tiny little section of like a New York street that you had in California Adventure but an entire New York City area where it's not just Spider-Man, but the Avengers are there and Kingpin is there and Daredevil is there and Jessica Jones are there. And all of a sudden, like what I think we're going to get with Galaxy's Edge, you are able to walk into this world where all of these characters exist and overlap, same as they do in, in a variety of different comic book series and stories. But, you know, Doctor Strange will can can be there iron man can be there the avengers can be there if you have sort of a a setting like a new york city and that as you know geeky nine-year-old lou mangello with his <laughs> comic book sitting you know in plainfield new jersey on the corner would would love to to see come to fruition i think that's going to depend on how well galaxy's edge does I have a feeling it's going to do okay. I just call I, I it a hunch. It just I fine. just, I just, Stuart, there's a little something. If I had, if I could invest in Galaxy's Edge stock, I would go all in. I'm sorry, what, what's Galaxy's Edge? <laughs> no, I, I think uh, what a better way to kind of piggyback off of what the uh, future success of uh, Galaxy's Edge will be than to make every guest, uh, say, an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. as they go through that land. And have the attractions be like the credit system of the Millennium Falcon, where if they help out a superhero or if they help out an Avenger, if they take down uh, Doom or Thanos, you know they get you know certain reputation points as they walk through. 
but you can certainly immerse people in something like that. Corey, you're my new best friend. <laughs> Listen, I did that Dimensions of Danger walkthrough, that sort of Marvel temporary pop-up attraction that they created in Hong Kong Disneyland. If you go back and listen to our Hong Kong Disneyland review, that was one of the things that impressed me most. I have to believe, and maybe it's a want, that that walk-slash-run-through attraction where you are sort of an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., where... Thor is there and Black Widow is there and Doctor Strange and other characters. That is the kind of thing that they can bring on a much grander scale to the parks. Listen, I didn't understand a word they were saying except for Thor who spoke English (laughs) and I didn't care because I had one of the best times I ever had in a Disney park because that is what I, again, as, you know, little comic book reading Lumangelo and now Marvel Cinematic Universe watching still little Lumangelo always have dreamed of doing and that's something that i hope i don't need to go overseas or even across the country to go and experience um think about if you had a marvel land in florida and you just go from you know what could you think of the things you could do with thor right i'm going to immerse myself there you know what you could do with iron man you know dr strange etc i mean it's off the charts in terms of what you could what these imagineers can imagine and what they can execute on. It would be fantastic. It, it so, seems to me that Hollywood studios is primed for something like that. They've got, they've, when I first talked about it, it was MGM, right? And so they had all the <laughs> MGM things. Um, it seems to me now that they've acquired so many different places. You know, we've got galaxy's edge opening there. We've got the Pixar land opening there. Marvel land can't be far behind. Would there, what would be the significance of having, and I, and I really don't know the answer to this, so I need somebody to smarten me up, but what would the significance be of just a land versus, say, an entire park? Because you could do an entire park with, you, you could have Atlantis, you could have New York, you could have Wakanda, you could have the Savage Land, you could have all these different, you could have Latveria, you could have all, all, all these different things, and they could be uniquely theme you could have shield headquarters you, you know there, there could be a number of different things there would there ever be an appetite does anybody think that you would have enough different experiences and something like that or i mean you're talking you know is, look is that, who you're talking really to nerd, nerd, nerd <laughs> you know everybody in this room is like yes you know make that fantasy <laughs> land for us that's a, you know we want you to be the head of imagineering i'll play devil's advocate for purposes of the conversation the problem with Um, The potential issue with creating a separate park, for example, um, based on a single, it's not even a property, but something like Marvel, is how broad is the appeal, right? That would be like saying, well, I'm going to go and create a princess-themed park. A lot of us wouldn't go. It makes more sense if you make it a land in a park, not just financially because of the infrastructure that you would have to create. You know, you... Creating a land is a lot, relatively speaking, easier than creating an entirely new park, um, certainly financially and otherwise. And again, there has to be that broad demo appeal. Look, that's part of the reason why Disney bought Marvel. It's part of the reason why they bought Star Wars is because they wanted to have these characters and stories to build off of to reach a demographic that I think was underrepresented, which was that teenage young adult boys for a while Disney was like oh it's all princesses and fairies and castles and stuff you know when you buy 5,000 plus characters from Marvel and everything that that um, that Lucasfilm brings now with with Fox and all all the things they can do um, 
while I would love to see it, I'd love to see, you know, Marvel land, the Marvel park. I don't know if that's something that would necessarily happen, but, but I, I will say this. Um, I think what we are going to see uh, in the short and long term are experiences for us as fans that will be immersive, that will not necessarily re- necessarily require the cost and the time and the infrastructure of building an entire park. I, I am vaguely referencing on a much, much smaller scale what I saw and experienced with The Void at Disney Springs in terms of an immersive Star Wars experience, man, I was in it. I felt like I was in that world and that was like the best $29 I had spent because for however long that experience was, I felt like I was holding a laser blaster and I was stepping foot in different environments and on different planets and I was in that Star Wars world. Um, I I wonder and think that we might be seeing more like that um, possibly from a Marvel perspective, coming to the parks soon-ish. I know nothing. Like Colonel Clink, I know nothing. <laughs> so in the absence of a full-blown park, because I, I agree, I think too much of one thing in a specific park is probably not going to work. Um, although I think they might be able to counter that with you know maybe the female-driven Avengers kind of thing. But um, I, I don't know if that'd be enough. But So do you think we'd see more... So uh, more rides get overlaid with like a Marvel thing instead where, you know, the Guardia, the Tower of Terror turned into the Guardians ride in, in California. It's amazing attraction. Do you think, do you think we'll see more things like that where they're just kind of renovating the existing infrastructure? Or do you think we'll see more full blown land expansions like what they're doing with Toy Story and Star Wars? I, what I would I look I would like to see a land expansion obviously um, because when you when you do an overlay and a replacement attraction there are always pros and cons to it and there's always going to be people who say I wish you wouldn't have changed X I don't hear that as much with Guardians of the Galaxy over Tower because it is such a fun attraction but um, it'll be curious again from a a time a money a licensing perspective what might be coming in the future but I think that's what's part of makes all this and this oh so very long yet fascinating conversation <laughs> so much fun is that you know we, as much as we think we know we have no idea what is to come next in the short and long term and I for one like you guys am so incredibly excited for Avengers Infinity War opening in just a couple of weeks uh, I am excited and grateful to have all of you guys here with with me tonight and with you, the listener, who is sitting around the table with us, nerding out as we have, uh, like we haven't before. So, Stuart, Jesse, Ray, and Corey, um, I appreciate every single one of you guys. And uh, I, I look forward to chatting with you after we've seen Infinity War. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate it. Thank you, Lou. For that, so. Thanks. Thank you for bringing us on, Lou. Yes, thank you very much. So what kind of dining options would this Marvel oh. have? <laughs> Very quickly, go around the horn. Very quickly. You just, you your just favorite, another 45 minutes of the show. Your, wait, I, I want to hear only one thing. Your favorite single line from any Marvel movie. Go. It's getting awfully low. The sun's getting awfully low. I, have 12% I could do this all night. Plan. I could do this all night. What would you say, Jesse? I have 12% of a plan. <laughs> 
I did it already. There's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. <laughs> I love it. I love that line, too. Although I might put Marissa Tomei's what the... At the end. <laughs> Black Widow has... That doesn't look like a party, right? Is that what the line is? <laughs> hey, guys. Anybody seen a fossil? It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, sometimes in what you hear. And if you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So in keeping with the superhero theme in part one of our countdown to Marvel's Avengers Infinity War, I wanted to talk about some superheroes from Walt Disney World's history, specifically back in the 90s when a not-so-human superhero team with one human counterpart climbed out of their oh-so-very-rad van, performed on stage, and then hung around for a little bit of a meet-and-greet inside the park. And like me, these heroes, on the half-shell, love to eat, spoiler alert, specifically pizza, and of course I'm talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's right. Back way back in the 90s, Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael, as well as April, their counterpart, used to perform going back to around July 1990 over on New York Street. They would come in their turtle party wagon, do some martial arts moves, show off their sigh and their bow staff and some other martial art weapons, and then remain to pose for pictures and sign autographs before April got them back in the van to take off. The show only lasted about four to five minutes and was performed multiple times throughout the day. It ran for a few years until about 1994 or so when they were actually replaced by, believe it or not, the mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Now, the Turtles also appeared in two different parades. The Easter Parade, when they would dance to their hit single, Pizza Power, and in 1990s, Walt Disney World's Very Merry Christmas Parade, they were actually there on Main Street USA with Santa Claus. But I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again, last week you were playing for my 102 Ways to Save Money for an at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio tours of the Magic Kingdom, which you can still get on sale from the WW Radio shop or on Amazon. The winner's also going to receive a WW Radio Magic Band cover, some WW Radio stickers, a pop socket and stand for your phone, and a randomly selected shirt from our WW Radio shirt collection. If you go to www.radio.com slash shirts, you'll find not only WW Radio logo gear there, but a wide variety of Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and other sort of nerdy 80s retro t-shirts as well. That's why when you go to the site and submit your contest entry, I ask you for your shirt size. But last week, I took all of the correct entries, randomly selected one, and and last week's winner is Elena Quintero. So Elena, congratulations. I have your shirt size. I have your address. I will order your shirt and get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So we're going to go back in time to Epcot Center, which I love and to a certain degree miss oh so very dearly, because I want to take you specifically to Honey, I Shrunk the Audience in the Imagination Pavilion and ask you to tell me who sang the pre-show song for that original Honey, I Shrunk the Audience show 
Back in the Imagination Pavilion in Epcot Center. You have until Sunday, April 22nd to go to www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast. Use the online form there. Again, you're going to play for the book, the audio tours, the stickers, the pop socket, and I'm going to throw in a mystery prize this week. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I hope you liked our look back and forward at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you do, all I ask is that you please like and share this with your friends and invite them not just to listen, but be part of the WW Radio family and community and come join, be part of, and start your own conversation over at www.radio.com community. I also want to quickly thank all the members of the WW Radio Nation family. I appreciate all the love and the support from everybody who has helped support the show, including new members like Dylan Gamble, Peter Brown, Ronald Webstedt, Catherine Michalski, and Scott Wortman. I sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. And if you want to find out not only how you can help the show, but also get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, we have a private Facebook group, personalized Magic Band covers, logo gear, care packages from Walt Disney World, exclusive live monthly video group calls, early access and special access to events and more, please visit www.radio.com support. And don't forget that a portion of your contribution does go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Please also join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live to live video broadcast and chat for you and more importantly, with you, We'll talk about this week's Walt Disney World and Disney and Marvel news. You can call into the show with your questions or comments. Play 20 questions for a chance to win prizes and more. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio, like our page there, and be sure and turn on notifications and see first so you can always get notified when we go live on Wednesday nights as well as when I go live from the parks and at other, for example, special events that might be coming up soon. If you have a question you want me to answer on the air, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 and be heard on the air. And of course, as much as I love connecting with you online, and the best way is through the WW Radio Box People group on Facebook, but I'm also at Lou Mangello on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. But I still believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug. That's why I continue to do monthly meetups in Walt Disney World as well as other special events as well. Our next meet of the month is going to be Saturday, April 28th from 1.30 to 3 p.m. at Backlot Express next to Star Tours at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And that same night, April 28th, we're going to have WW Radio Night at the Movies where together as a group we will go and see Infinity War I am currently going to the 7.30 p.m. show Saturday, April 28th at the AMC Theater in Disney Springs. Again, that's the 7.30 p.m. show in Auditorium 2. If you are coming, I'd love to know that you're going to be there. Go to the events page at facebook.com slash Radio. Let us know that you're going to be there. Also stay tuned for future events and announcements coming soon, not just in Walt Disney World, but on the road. I also do meetups as I travel to speak, sometimes on the road. And if I can come to speak to your conference, to your business, to your event, or to your school, I have a wide variety of topics, including everything from the Disney difference, sort of the ultimate customer experience using Disney as a model, leadership lessons from Walt Disney, pursuing your passion, social media, new media, building your brand, building community, live video, and lots more. To find out more, visit lumangelo.com. Also there, you'll find out about my Momentum Weekend Retreat, 
coming up this June in Walt Disney World. There's only one spot left for that, as well as my Momentum Weekend Workshop, October 6th and 7th. Early bird pricing is still available. And again, to find out more about either or both of these events, please visit lumangelo.com. Thanks, as always, to the entire team over at mousefantravel.com. They are my official and recommended travel provider because it's who I've used and, more importantly, who I recommend for more than a decade, whether you're going to world, land, cruise, adventures by Disney, or anywhere on the planet. Becky and her team can help you get the best possible prices, all available discounts, and all those services come at no cost to you. Visit them at mousefantravel.com. Then go to celebrationspress.com and find out how you can subscribe, order back issues, and special editions of Celebrations Magazine. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not. And all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tell your friends. Tweet out that you're listening. Maybe share a link to this or your favorite episode over on Facebook. And if you can, take just 30 seconds to rate and review the show over on iTunes. I sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Jeremiah and Emmy who say, I love this podcast. I've always loved Disney, but after bringing my kids for the first time in 2017, I became a Disney nut. After our trip to Disneyland earlier this year, I needed something to help get me through the long, cold, Disneyness Alaskan winter. Wow. I watch Disney stuff on YouTube, but that doesn't work on the commute or at work. I finally found the WW Radio podcast, and in the words of Mabel Pines, I found my people. I love the Gravity Falls reference, by the way. Lou is obviously an unapologetic Disney nut as well, and the show definitely comes from a view of loving Disney and the parks. I love the top tens, the interviews, the dining reviews, and the Disney news. Also, and more importantly, Lou and the crew are good to listen to, and he does a great job of editing and making it sound professional. Thank you. Keep it up. Love the show. Thanks, Lou. Thank you, Jeremiah and Emmy. Uh, Kate W. from New Jersey says it's the best Disney podcast. Lou's clearly very knowledgeable about Disney and his love for it shines through with every word. Having grown up as a Disney kid, I find his stories extremely relatable and touching. I look forward to listening every day. And there are so many episodes, I feel as though I'll never run out. Listen now. And Weather Ad Avoider from Canada says it's a must listen to for all fans of Disney. Listen, you will be hooked. Lou's welcoming demeanor and positive attitude come through crystal clear in his podcast and the Wednesday night live video chat on Facebook. You'll feel like he's directly talking to you because he is. Lou has a plethora of Disney knowledge and he helps you fill in the gaps between trips to the world with his detailed and fun podcast. Download an episode or 500. You won't regret it. And then come and join the WDW Radio family. Well, weather ad avoider from Canada, Kate, Jeremiah and Emmy. Thank you all so much and everybody else who has rated reviewed the show. Again, just search for WW Radio in iTunes or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. Finally, and most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you for the pleasure and the privilege of being able to share my love of Disney and Marvel and everything sort of under this Disney umbrella with you. It fills my cup and brings me so much happiness. And I hope that this show does that for you as well. I am grateful to you. And for you, I am grateful for what I have, and you should be as well. Be grateful for everything that you have, and then work hard for the things that you don't. I hope that this is truly your best week ever. If there's ever anything I can do to repay you, to thank you, or to help you, please let me know. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, this is Peggy calling from Rochester, New York, from Magic Kingdom. Just ending our night here with a snack on Main Street. 
on a trash can and just thought I'd call in because it made me think of you. Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing and have a great day. Hi, Lou. I'm a member of the running team in the nation and just wanted to share a song with you. I know it's one of your favorites. Just make me lean. You're a tiny little seed. Tiny little seed that's reaching up to meet your needs with the right amount of faith. The right amount of earth. You'll grow to see the sunshine on your day of birth. Let's listen to the land we all love. Nature's plan will shine above. Listen to the land. Listen to the land. Let's listen to the land we all love. Nature's plan will shine above. Listen to the land. Listen to the land. Have a good one. Um, hello. Uh, my name is... Uh, Teddy uh, Franklin, I just listened to your podcast. It was really good. Um, I answered the question. Hopefully, I get it right. I I really like going to Disney. My family goes once a year. That's pretty much all I have to say. Bye. Hey, Lou. I just listened to your podcast on the review at the... Of the food court at the Port Orleans French Quarter. As a Louisiana native myself, I have a tip for you that might change your life. You can have gumbalaya, which where you'll take the rice base of the jambalaya and then pour your gumbo on top of it. It is absolutely amazing. Um, love the podcast. We are planning a trip in September in your podcast event. Super helpful to get through the long days until the trip. Thanks. Hello, Lou Mangello and WDW Radio Nation. I'm Alex Mead. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, and I've been listening to your show for about a year now, so I thought it was finally time to call in, and what better place to do it than in the Magic Kingdom. Just got to say I appreciate you, Lou, and everything that you do with the show because it makes my workday a lot more bearable. So, like the rest of us in Disney, have a magical day. Good morning, Lou Mangiello. It's Charlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York, calling in to say that I have 35 days until I get down to Walt Disney World. You have 62 days until that wonderful Alaska cruise on the Disney Wonder. Whoa! 35 for me, 62 for you. Then I have 162 days until... The Sternbergs and us get back down to the world together. It's been many years since we've been there together in the parks playing. As a matter of fact, the last time that was was after the uh, first 2011 WDW radio cruise where we met. And I still thank you every day of my life for bringing them into our lives. Keith and I and Michelle and Stuart are so happy to have each other because of one person, and that is you, Lou. We love you and thank you, and we can't wait to see you. Love. Have a great week, everyone. Stay positive like Lou always says. You've got a Yeah. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just...
Take a day. Hey, wait, where are you going? Hey, you were supposed to be my lift home. How will I get out of here? Hey, oh, gee, I've got so many more stories to tell. Oh, guys. Oh, gee.